This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the program. I'm Sterling Fox, and in just a few minutes, Drs. Ron Zokel and Faraj Eder from BC Perio will join us to talk about your smile and the very latest from the world of dentistry and to take your calls, too. But first, here are some of the top consumer stories we're following this week. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency this week issued a recall warning for numerous salad-type greens produced by Ontario-based Greenbelt Microgreens. The agency says the greens were distributed in Alberta and here in British Columbia and may be contaminated with listeria. There have been no illnesses linked to the microgreens. A release from the agency says the company triggered the recall and an investigation is underway. 19 types of microgreens sold in packages from 75 to 450 grams are included in the recall and the products range from arugula, broccoli, pea shoot, sunflower and wheatgrass microgreens to various mixes all sold under the Greenbelt Microgreens brand. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says listeria contamination can cause fever and diarrhea similar to other foodborne illnesses, but it is especially dangerous for pregnant women. Lots more info at the CIFA, that would be the Canadian Food Inspection Agency website, which is inspection.gc.ca. Word from Vancouver Police Headquarters this week, vehicle break-ins are up almost 40% in the first three months of this year. It is a completely preventable crime, say the cops, and they're right. The easiest thing anyone can do is to avoid leaving items visible in your car. And that includes things like phone chargers and pieces of clothing. The amount of time it takes to toss any items like that into your trunk versus the hassle and cost of replacing Placing a broken window is nothing. You may recall a big push on car break-ins around Christmas with blue signs all over town warning us to watch for thieves. Well, despite or perhaps because of those warnings, police busted 25 people and laid 80 charges during that time. Obviously, though, there's still a need for vigilance, so for goodness sake, lock your stuff in your trunk. Audi is recalling roughly 1.2 million vehicles over a fire risk posed by defective electric coolant pumps, which can overheat if blocked with debris. Several models, all driven by the company's 2.0-liter turbocharged engines, are affected. And here we go with the list. The 2013 through 16 Audi Audi, rather, A4s, 2013 to 17 A5s, 2012 to 2015 Audi A6s, and finally the Q5 SUVs of model years 2013 through 17. Moisture in the coolant pumps could also lead to an electrical short and resulting fire, and the defect has already led to several owners experiencing fires. Dealers will install a redesigned pump in affected cars, but not until that part becomes available in November. In the interim, they will fit those vehicles with an updated version of the current pump. Audi had tried to address the problem with the recall on those vehicles last year, you may recall. We talked about it here. But the software update performed at the time did not completely eradicate the problem. Two of Canada's biggest banks are raising their benchmark rates for five-year fixed-rate mortgages 
TD on Wednesday increased its posted rate for five-year fix to 5.59% from the 5.14%. Industry analysts say the increase is unusual as the benchmark rate hasn't seen a jump of 45 basis points or more since March of 2010. Meanwhile, Royal Bank says it plans to raise its posted rate for a five-year fixed on Monday to 5.34%, up from 5.14%. It's important to note the actual rates bank offer to borrowers are not seeing an increase. But the Bank of Canada uses the posted rates at the big banks to calculate the race, rate rather used in stress tests to determine whether home buyers qualify for loans. So a ripple effect is quite possible. For those trying to qualify for mortgages, it may be just a little more money you're going to need to qualify for. And tomorrow is the day many Vancouver area gardeners look forward to every year. We got the rain for it today, and tomorrow is the big one-day plant sale down there at Van Dusen rather, Botanical Gardens on Oak Street. This year is number 40 for the gardens, and if you're a fan, you already know the lineup start at sunrise and are quite long by the time par- the park opens and sale begins at 10 a.m. Over 30,000 plants will be sold, with proceeds going to to educational programs. Best part, Van Dusen Gardens is free all day tomorrow. And for those who don't have access to an outdoor growing area, this year there will be a new section of indoor plants for you. Use the parking lot entrance off 37th instead of the Oak Street main entrance tomorrow. They don't want too much traffic chaos on Oak Street. The Van Dusen Botanical Gardens annual plant sale, 10 a.m. tomorrow. Those are some of the week's top consumer stories. We'll look at a few more later on. And producer Ben has another duly noted feature today looking at counterfeit goods. Stay with us. In just a few minutes, we'll open up our phone lines for your questions about your smile. The docs from B.C. Perio will join us next. This is Vancouver Consumer on 980 CKNW. Welcome back on this uh, very soggy Saturday afternoon after such a fantastic week, too. And here we are with time to spare and crummy weather. But it's nice to have you listening to the radio with us this afternoon. It's 2.14. I'm Sterling Fox, joined in studio by Drs. Ron Zokel and Faraj Eder from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers. Gentlemen, good to see you again, both of you. Thank you, Nice to be back. And uh, we'll just get that, there we go, we'll get that mic open, and there we go. Uh, Faraj Eder, nice to see you again, sir. You have uh, a, a very interesting uh, project underway. You were giving a webinar, was that this morning? It was just this morning, actually, Okay, and, and this is this is very interesting. We were talking dental. We were talking earlier about how we're going to take your phone calls, and we'll open up our phone lines in just a couple of seconds. We'll talk about all the latest from the very world of dentistry, and, and it couldn't get much more recent than this morning. Now, could it, Faraj? You were doing a webinar uh, with dental, either dental students or practicing dentists. You were expecting 50 people, and you got over 200. So exactly what were you up to? Yeah, it was quite amazing. So we were just trying to help people out by giving some advice as to what the best ways are to strengthen your application for getting into dental school or higher education specializing. And we initially had capped it off at 50, um, not even expecting to get there. And in a matter of just announcing on Instagram, in a matter of 48 hours, we had over 200 people register for this free webinar. And uh, we had to then 
up the limit. We unfortunately had to cap it off at 200 because the software we're using didn't allow more than that, but okay. it was great. Yeah. But if, if you had a wider range software, you could have taken even more than I think so. I quite think a, so, yeah. quite a, a barrage of people then, yeah, which amazing. is also indicative of a fairly high degree of interest in specialized dentistry farage. What, if, for example, is your specialty? I'm a prosthodontist, which means I specialize in prosthodontics, and that's pretty much restoring um, teeth and function using prosthetics in the mouth. Okay. Now, Dr. Ron Zoko, you still describe yourself for legal purposes as a general dentist. And yet you, sir, travel the world every year speaking to highly skilled dental specialists and upgrading those skills. <laughs> and there's a conference on in Vancouver right now this weekend that you and your colleague from BC Perio, Dr. Bobby Birdie, are presenting at. You were presenting yesterday and you're on stage again tomorrow. What have you been talking about? Actually, it's a, it's a condensed five-day workshop in, in training in oral implantology from the surgical and prosthetic uh, ends of both of the field. And this is to give doctors a an early entry into the field of oral implantology so they can go into an area and, and do competently the simple procedures in oral implantology. Right. I, I'd like to call upon your experience being the senior of this duo and being further detached from being a dental student. When you were in dental school, Dr. Ron, uh, you wanted to become a general dentist. I assume your dad was a dentist too, wasn't he? My father was a dentist. Uh, he was a prosthodontist uh, just like Farage. Okay. Uh, and I had the pleasure of spending 20 years in practice with him before he retired. Interesting stuff. But uh, what, I'm th what I'm thinking about and the direction I'm heading with is I'm going back to Farage's webinar this morning and the crowd that showed up. There is clearly an interest among young dentists and particularly dental students in the specialties. Is it more focused in terms of interest in the specialties now, Dr. Ron, than it was when you were a student? Uh, my sense is it's much more focused on specialties today than it was in the past. And back in the days when I graduated, prosthodontics was not a recognized specialty, actually, in British Columbia. Interesting. So it has grown. And, and certainly when the, the science is pushing uh, to a stronger degree, uh, or the procedure is getting much more refined, our knowledge is becoming significantly more sophisticated, in order to practice at a very, very high level, the, the right thing to do, perhaps, might be going into a specialty which limits perhaps what you do on other areas, but that's where well, you have multidisciplinary dentistry where you get a bunch of different practitioners with different modalities of expertise coming together to solve some of the hardest and most difficult cases that we have confronting us. Uh, and and I'm, I'm curious, given that explanation, because on the medical side of that same young people coming into the profession looking to become specialists, uh, ultimately it's led to a shortage of general practitioners, family doctors. Everybody wants to be a cardiac surgeon. On the dental side, is it the same way? Is Farage, for example, the young people who showed up at your webinar this morning who want to become prosthodontists like yourself or periodontists or other dental specialists, are they likely to not end up not wanting to be family dentists, uh, expressing this early interest in the specialties? Uh I'm not sure if it'll deter them from wanting to be family dentists. I think the way it works nowadays is um, it depends on what you're passionate about. A lot of people now want to enjoy what they're doing every single day. Sure. It also allows them to do it a lot better. Um, so those who have that specific interest are finding that there are two ways to go about things. It's either taking a lot of the courses, um, such as the ones that Dr. Ron Zokel and Dr. Bobby Birdie are giving to 
get that extra expertise. Another way to do it is to go through an extensive three-year program, for example, and to specialize. So I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that um, don't necessarily want to be limited in what they can do and would prefer to have the broad sense of things. But those that are passionate about something in particular, I think, are getting more and more interested in this sort of specialized training. And is there better training for those people to, to feed that interest? Uh, are, are there more seats in uh, in specialty programs, in dental schools, that kind of thing? It's still quite limited. So, for example, um, the specialty I went through, prosthodontics, there are only three universities now in Canada that offer the program, one of them being the University of British Columbia, the other University of Toronto, and then there's University of Manitoba that just started their program this year. Okay. And uh, it's quite limited, even the number of seats available in every program. So it is quite competitive and quite um, limited. Dr. Edder, can you explain the difference? You've described yourself as a periodontist. Uh, I'm sorry, prosthodontist. And I wanted to describe, to have you describe the difference between what a prosthodontist, your specialty, does versus what a periodontist does. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, prosthodontist focuses more on the restorative aspect of dentistry and using prosthetics to restore function and aesthetics for patients. A periodontist specializes in the health of the gums and the bone and the surgical aspect of what we call the periodontium, which is which are the surrounding structures around teeth. Uh, okay. Dr. Ron, I was reading an article in a magazine, a completely non-professional magazine, just a consumer-type magazine, doing a little homework for the program the other day, and I came across an article about dentistry and dental students and how in uh, university dental programs in North America, and I'm assuming worldwide, you travel the world a lot more than I do, uh, they're learning more, more medical things. For example, how to identify certain types of oral cancer, for example. A dentist can do that now, and in many cases, uh, pick up on clues and, and signals from the body that may take a family doctor many more months before these signals manifest themselves to the point of, oh, well, i got to see somebody about this. I feel terrible. Well, that concept is not new. That is a fundamental principle of basic dental training in all dental schools. Okay. And uh, you have three, two different types of degrees for dentistry in North America. One is a DDS, Doctor of Dental Surgery. Sure. One is a DMD, Doctor of Dental Medicine for all intents and purposes. And really the recognition that dentistry is almost like a, sub, a specialty within medicine, but we, we are not physicians. And right. we are not trained as physicians. However, there is no question that lesions in the mouth, diseases within the mouth itself, are often seen earlier than the disease that are, they're associated with in other areas of the body. Oh, bad, yeah. So that knowledge base, that oral pathology is all part of, of general pathology, really. And that I think all of us have in dentistry have taken general pathology in our second-year dental school so that we can correlate, if you will, the disease process of the whole body with that which is we see in the mouth. Interesting stuff. Dr. Edder, you have 13,000 Instagram followers, and I know you should just give them a little bit of a blast here before we turn the mics on. Again, this is, uh, this is very beneficial for people in your uh, profession, especially those of you who are teachers, to just spread the word that you can learn more simply by intersecting on such and such a day at such and such a time, right? Definitely, and it's uh, it's just a new way of a new way of sharing information. So, like I said, things like the webinar we're conducting, or certain uh, research papers that we publish, or so on, having the ability to share them with thousands of people online just um, facilitates sharing knowledge in a way that 
we didn't have previously. And I think it just improves uh, quality of care. It improves communication. It improves a whole bunch of things. Now, as long as we're talking about lines of communication, Andrew, let's open up those phone lines. Andrew Ferreira at the controls. Ben Dooley in the producer seat. You'll talk to him before us. 604-280-9898. 280-9898. Lines are wide open right now to Drs. Ron Zokol and Faraj Eder from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers, which, by the way are located in Vancouver at 777 West Broadway and in Coquitlam at 1175 Johnson Street. I think, Dr. Ron, pretty safe to assume that just based on the sheer numbers at all, the Vancouver location is probably the busier of the two. <laughs> I don't know that that's true, quite oh, frankly. Is that it's, right? It's bigger, yeah. for sure. But then you're drawing you... all from the, all those valley people. be happy to go to Coquitlam much more than downtown Vancouver, yeah. right? Now, I don't work in Coquitlam, but uh, Farage does. And he might be a better represent, representative of what actually happens in Coquitlam. But my sense is both are really quite busy. Right. And uh, Farage, you would uh, validate that? You're busy. You're, you're not a lot of downtown time in the Coquitlam office. No, we're busy every hour that we're there, um, both in Coquitlam and Vancouver, really. So. Interesting yeah. stuff. Um, 604-280-9898. The lines are open. Dr. Edder, you did a, sp- a speech, a talk yesterday for a group of dental technicians, uh, one of whom uh, is uh, a man who works with you at BC Perio, who just coincidentally happens to be the president of the BC Dental Technicians Society, who invited you to speak. These are the people who make prosthetics, right? Yeah, so it was last weekend where I gave the talk at the uh, Dental Technicians Association of BC, and dental technicians are play a huge role in the success of treatment for um, specifically what we do, which is restorative treatment, because they're the ones that make the restorations. Right. So, so and, these are, these are the smile pros, right? Yeah, for sure. And a lot of the a lot of the aesthetics and the natural appearance depends on their talent. Um, so that's why, especially with the advancements in digital technology and, like I said, communication, uh, it's really important for us to get together every once in a while and have discussions as to what the best ways are to advance uh, our techniques and better communicate with each other to ultimately provide patients with uh, the best outcomes possible. And one of the things that Dr. Zokol has brought up uh, talking about, because you now have, uh, I- I'm trying to remember, your dental technician in-house at BC Perio. Uh, who is in charge of all of the all of the work, and it's done in house now. So you don't have to subcontract that. If you need uh, a, 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 a bridge or something like that, it can be made in house. But Faraj, you were talking to your group of technicians, and this is back to Dr. Ron about fit, because uh, every little tiny bit of space really, really matters when you're trying to have a prosthetics uh, incorporated into your mouth, correct? Well, that's true. And in normal, uh, past procedures in implant, uh, implant dentistry or natural prosthodontics required lab procedures which were fraught with many, many different opportunities for distortion. And the artistry that a technician required to do the work incredibly well was, was very significant. Today, with digital dentistry, which is really what we're doing a lot in BC, in BC Perio, right. uh, and one that uh, Dr. Farage Etter is, is uh, expert in, increases the level of accuracy uh, that we have. And we don't have the same degree of distortions that are 
created through the earlier protocols that were used in the laboratory. So it's actually a very nice improvement through digital dentistry. Mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Edder, in terms of of the old school way, and we're going to talk about teeth in one day, and we're going to get into implants in the the next half hour of the show, but in terms of the old school approach, when, when you had a tooth removed and you wanted not to have a gap in your face, you got a bridge or you ended up, you had more teeth removed, you got some kind of partial plate. Do most people who have dental work done still opt for a plate of some kind? I wouldn't say most people. I'd say the um, the majority of people would now prefer more fixed solutions to the to more this permanent sort of issue. Yeah, more permanent and more fixed. So, like you said, with a partial denture, it's usually, it's usually something that you can remove. Yeah, and. If it's something that you can remove, that means it's not as stable in your mouth. There's some movement to it while chewing and so on. Um, there are definitely still cases where the best results um, are dentures or bridges, but I would say the vast majority now um, are are implants, especially given that they don't affect adjacent teeth, and that's a huge advantage of implants. Lots more on the fast-moving world of modern dentistry and your calls to Drs. Faraj Eder and Ron Zokel when we continue on Vancouver Consumer after the news. And welcome back to the second half hour of our program. It's 2.34. I'm Sterling Fox in studio with Drs. Ron Zokel and Faraj Eder from BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers in Vancouver and Coquitlam. And Dr. Eder, we were talking just before the break. And by the way, the phone lines are open if you want to talk to the dentist about your smile and how to, well... Be be back in the game again. A lot of people, geez, you know, I was going to talk about bridges and stuff, but Dr. Redder, it's, <laughs> cut to the chase here. It's about your smile. You, you're the guy who does restorative work. You specialize in giving, literally giving people their smile back. And how many people come to you uh, with, uh, with an inability to actually smile anymore? They're so embarrassed by what they present when they smile, they'd rather not. So they just don't smile anymore and haven't for a long time. You run into these people every day. Every day. And uh, sometimes people aren't even aware that they forgot how to smile. So it's just come naturally that their muscles have readapted, where automatically if they feel like laughing or smiling, their lip stays low, their hand automatically covers their mouth. Right. And uh, it's just because of people are uncomfortable with their smiles. And that's, uh, that's why restoring a smile, I always say, isn't just restoring a teeth. It's restoring quality of life. Right. And, and uh, Dr. Ron, uh, we've talked about this many, many times, uh, the, the, the quality of life aspect to being able to simply smile in public. It is so huge. It, it's, it goes to self-esteem at the most integral level, doesn't it? You're, you're absolutely right. And a lot of patients, uh, qu- quite a few patients have actually come back and said, when I had my teeth done, when you took my bad teeth out, put implants in, put new teeth in the same day, you changed my life. Mm-hmm. And they mean it so sincerely when you take them because you ask them what way and they said, uh, I'm not afraid of smiling as Dr. Uh, Dr. Farage Edder said, he said, you know, people just don't smile. They learn not to. But when you are confident that your smile is there, man, these guys open up like crazy. Mm-hmm. It literally changes their confidence to go in socially in different areas of their society and their friends and such. It completely changes to the positive. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And can be as, as fundamental to one's uh, quality of life as being confident enough to go out and uh, do an interview for a new job. Yeah. 
Because some people won't. So social and business sure, life of improve course. and change dramatically. Right. Now, Dr. Reddard, before the break, we were talking about um, bridges and plates, uh, the, the old school approach to when you got a problem or you lose a tooth or two. And you suggested, and I learned something new today, I would have thought that the majority of people still go for that, uh, the old school approach. And you say, no, uh, many do, but the majority now opt for plan B. So what's plan B? Plan B is utilizing um, dental implants, and that's when I say the majority. I might be a little biased in my answer because that's the majority of the patients we see. Okay, and a lot of the patients we see are referred to us or come in knowing that we provide this sort of service. It's just that dental implants have come a long way, and uh, they're now very predictable, successful treatment options. And in a lot of cases, they provide patients with an option that's a lot more comfortable for them and a lot more functional as well. Is there a cost that uh, a reality, Dr. Edder, that would still inhibit some people from going the implant route? Are uh, plates, prosthetics of uh, the old school kind, are they that much cheaper that a lot of people will go, nah, just give me the old school stuff, I can't afford the other? Or have implants become more reasonable? They probably become more reasonable than they used to be. Removable plates are less expensive than implants, but if we're comparing dental implants to restore a tooth versus a conventional bridge where okay. we grind down two teeth next to the space and then put a bridge on there, right. it's getting And my son close. just went through that quite recently. It was a hockey thing. Yeah, so he yeah. had a bridge put in, yes. <laughs> yeah, so in, in that sense, considering that all the work that needs to be done on the teeth, a lot of times those, those teeth would also need to be root canaled, and, and then the costs add up, so... He was surprised at how expensive it was. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, for one, he he knocked out one, and he just so he had the thing with on either side of the missing tooth. You attach it, and you you drill the tooth top, and and all of that. And he was surprised it was rather expensive. And now he has a dental plan, and that helped, but it wasn't cheap either. And you know, Sterling, the thing is, when talking about these things, um, we have to be careful because it really is case dependent. Sure. So, and that's that's what I think we do a great job at at BC Perio with a whole group of different specialties is that we look at each case and personalize it to what's best for that patient. So there are patients that when we look at them, we realize that a bridge would be a better option considering the adjacent teeth and that would provide some protection to them. And if that's the case, then that's what we present them with. And there are a lot of other cases where um, implants would be a better option. So it really is case dependent, having um, patients understand what their options are and doing what's best for them. Mm. Dr. Zolko, could we go back to the cost file for a second, if you don't mind? Um, uh, And I'm curious about subsidies. As I said, when my son had his bridge installed due to his hockey prowess or lack thereof, he has dental plan helped out, so he didn't have to pay at all. Uh, If one receives implants, upper, lower, or both, um, does uh, do do the corporate dental plans uh, acknowledge this as, as something they should participate in? And if not... Do alternative plans like Blue Cross or stuff you can buy, do they cover this sort of procedure? It's my understanding that there are parts of an implant procedure, such as the crown on the implant, which is covered by most insurance companies rather than pay for the bridge. And and, and that's not unreasonable. They often don't cover bone grafts, soft tissue grafts that are often necessary with implant surgery. However, when we take a look at the costs, I think there's another element that we have to discuss, and that is the finite longevity of a bridge or a crown. 
and what's going to happen down the road. An implant is probably one of the more significant services that has the potential of lasting a lifetime. Okay. And, and as such, when you add five, ten years onto a bridge, which has to be replaced, you have the prospects of losing another tooth now that you've damaged the adjacent teeth. And going forward, the implant on a long-term basis may become significantly less expensive than the bridge. Interesting stuff. So, Dr. Edder, what would the, uh, is, is 10 years then, as Dr. Ron suggests, is that a typical lifespan for any prosthetic device in the mouth? It's probably likely to last 10 years tops. That's, that's a good estimate, but it very much depends on a lot of different factors. So it depends on how well they're maintained. It depends on how well they're made in the first place. It depends on um, function. So some people put a lot more forces on their teeth than others. So there's a whole list of different factors that contribute to the success rate and how long thing, things last in our mouths. Okay. Angus, that's the name I was trying to remember. Yeah, Your splendid dental technician that you've taken on at BC Perio. Yeah, it finally just clicked to me. Sorry, Dr. Ron, you're going to jump in on no, this. That is Angus you're talking. Angus Berry, absolutely. And uh, I would want, add one more thing, is that while we can estimate 10 years as an estimate, some, some cases don't last five years. But what we do know is insurance companies who pay for these things are not are not are more reluctant to not to pay for them unless they absolutely have to. But they will repay for it in five years. Oh, I see. So after five years, if a bridge goes south, they will repay for their portion of it again. Okay. Interesting stuff. Uh, let's deal with the, uh, the implant, what you call all on four slash teeth in one day. Teeth in one day is fairly self-explanatory. What on earth does all on four mean? <laughs> that is a phrase coined, uh, I believe it was probably by, by Nobel BioCare. And uh, it relates to a complete set of teeth for one upper or one lower jaw where you put four to six implants in, depending on the character of the bone structure, and you put a complete set of teeth on those four to six implants. And we call it all on four, but we could use five or six implants, what have you. It really doesn't matter. The principle is is that is that you take out all the teeth in a jaw, you put the implants in, and you put a complete set of teeth on, on, those, the implants. on those implants. Wow, okay. Uh, Dr. Edder, we talked about these devices, these old-school uh, false teeth, dentures. Uh, it, and, and Dr. Ron has many, many times on this program said that the wearing of dentures over time causes bone loss. So the question to you is, uh, at if a person has been wearing dentures for a, a number of years and decides uh, perhaps they've won the lottery or perhaps it's just time to get implants, to get that smile back to where I really want it to be, um, is it, having worn dentures for a number of years suffering some degree of bone loss in the process, does that jeopardize that individual's chance of successfully having implants after a certain point? Not necessarily, not necessarily at all. So and it, it might increase the chance of them needing bone grafting, but the beauty of the all-on-four, all-on-six, or the teeth-in-one-day procedure is that we look for the areas in the jaw that do have a sufficient amount of bone to hold the implants that are needed. Okay. And based on that, if we find those sites, we place them in there, we use certain angulations. There are different techniques that allow us to locate bone where it actually is and utilize that in order to hold the full arch prosthesis at the time and give and give patients teeth in one day. 
Interesting stuff. How uh, how long? Because the teeth in one day, you literally, Dr. Ron, you walk out of BC Perio with that smile intact and just gleaming with there you are with your new teeth, your new implants. How, I mean, obviously you're not going to tuck into a steak right away, but you're you're good to go almost from, almost from the time you leave the office, aren't you? You're right. Uh, these teeth are functional. There's no question about that. However, we encourage people not to overload them too quickly. We stay away from opening oysters with your teeth. <laughs> right, right. Uh, but be rather discreet about what you're using. The thing to remember is that people put a lot more force on their teeth when they're not chewing food. So when you actually have food in your mouth, you're putting a lot less force on it than when you're clenching, let's say, when you don't have food in your mouth. So, Like uh, when you're driving in the rain. It could be. And you're, and you're frustrated <laughs> with the traffic or something. Vancouver. <laughs> <laughs> the, the point is, but we do ask them to be careful yeah. and, and not overload. And we do ask them to be on a soft diet for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's just being playing it safe. Right. Uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about the pain factor because, you know, we've all, I would assume that most people listening to the broadcast today are old enough to have had a tooth pulled. We've lost, we've all lost a tooth or something along the way, perhaps more than one, and it hurts like bloody murder. And so I'm thinking, um, and, 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 and we talked about this last time you were in, Dr. Ron. Last time I had a tooth pulled, it was a long time ago, but they gave me a whole wad of cotton, warned me about something called dry socket, and don't get that because it'll really hurt, and, you know, uh, put a lot of pressure and do this and that and the other thing. And it was quite painful for quite a, quite a p- few days. So I'm thinking, wait a second, if I'm going to go in and have eight teeth pulled and then uh, eight little uh, things put in and new teeth hung on those, the new implants, it's not going to hurt like bloody murder. It's going to hurt so much, I won't even be able to find a word for it. How do you get around that? Quite the opposite is true. Now, I was rather astounded because I was in, in training the doctors yesterday, I, one dentist said he had placed an implant and it was so painful. And I said, that's interesting because I can't remember the last time I placed an implant and a patient advised me that it was painful. Mm. Insertion. Uh, we do advanced surgical procedures, manipulation of bone structure, getting rid of disease. And the great majority of our patients do have a mild discomfort, but some of them don't even take as much of an as, as an aspirin right, right. after they come out of the anesthetic. And that is more the routine than the opposite. Yeah, because when I had mine pulled, they gave me a little brown envelope full of like Tylenol 3s and said, feel free to take as many as you need. I didn't take any because I didn't want to, but, you know, this little sack of pills, they were all said, away you go. So there's none of that. Actually, and that's the important thing. It's hard to imagine because so many people over the years have experienced pain upon extraction, and yet... When the areas of the mouth where you do a tooth extraction or treat disease and you treat it properly, the operative, post-operative discomfort is literally zero. Mm, okay. And uh, in the majority of cases, not all, but the majority of cases. Right. And, of course, there's just the shock, too, of your tongue going around this enormous cavern. <laughs> it wasn't in your mouth two hours ago. And that, that adds to the, to, the, to the jolt of the experience. But you're saying, Dr. Edder, that, that, that properly done, this, this just doesn't happen. And it's exactly what you said. So if you extract a tooth and leave it there, if you're eating, you have food that's getting up into that space. Mm-hmm. You're moving your tongue all over that space. Well, with the teeth in one day procedure where we're placing several implants and then putting a fixed appliance on there, that fixed appliance to some degree acts as protection. It stops your tongue from getting over to the surgical site. It stops food from pressing down on that site. So that's also a factor in uh, 
why it's a lot more comfortable than other procedures would be. Okay. Uh, did you want to add something to that, Dr. Ron? Yeah. I, that's absolutely true. Uh, however, even if we go back to the point where you're just taking a tooth out and mm-hmm. leaving it, if you just take the tooth out, put a wad of cotton in there, then bacteria of the mouth will get in and they will localize on the bone. They'll, they'll actually grow on the bone and that is what's really painful. If you can protect that area and exclude it from the oral environment, we do that by, by grafting into that socket and putting a barrier over there so nothing gets into that socket at all, then that person will heal without pain. Right. And Dr. Edder, just we're almost out of time, but I'm just going back to that example of my son, the hockey player, who lost a, a tooth and got a bridge done. A person doesn't have to have a bridge if they only lose one tooth. You can get an implant of one tooth. You don't have to go for a whole mouth or lower or upper. You can do it one at a time if you want, can't you? Yeah, so an implant replaces the substructure of a tooth. So the root of the tooth itself is replaced with an implant, and then we connect a crown to that implant, and that replaces the entire tooth. So definitely single teeth can be restored with an implant. Ah, and is that uh, uh, that approach rather than the bridge is that uh, attractive to insurance companies, or do they still uh, have issues with that? I think, like Dr. Zokal mentioned, insurance companies will usually cover a portion of that there treatment, usually the restorative aspect of things. So yeah, that's all they do at the best of occasions anyway. It's just a question of what percentage you end up paying, Dr. Ron. That's about it, isn't it? It is, and they'll cover a little bit more of a fixed bridge rather than an implant. Right. But as I say, over a long period of time, the implant will become less expensive than the bridge. Right. Well, if it's taken you this long to sit around and, and, and to come up to the to the point where you're considering doing some serious dental work, uh, then obviously uh, something that's going to last you for the rest of your earthly days is where you want to go, right? Right. If you're buying a car and somebody says, you pay me $200,000 for the car and it'll last you the rest of your life, that's a much better deal than buying something that's going to fall apart in seven to 10 years. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting stuff. BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers, friends, located in Vancouver at 777 West Broadway and in Coquitlam at 1175 Johnson Street. You can find out all sorts of information about all the services BC Perio Dental Health and Implant Centers provide at the website, bcperio.ca. And Perio, by the way, is spelt P-E-R-I-O. So it's bcperio.ca. Dr. Faraj Eder, good to see you again. Thanks for uh, making it after the webinar. We appreciate it. Great seeing you, Sterling. And Dr. Ron Zokel, uh, we'll catch up to you in a couple of weeks. A pleasure, Sterling. Indeed. We're back with more after this. And once again, our thanks to Drs. Ron Zokel and Faraj Eder from BC Perio for another very informative visit. Next Saturday, our show will expand to two hours and will feature the senior lawyers from the Zuckerman Law Group and will also have an update from John Carlson at 1% Realty. We look forward to your company in our newly expanded format next weekend. Time now for Duly Noted, in which this show's producer, Ben Dooley, takes on a consumer issue. And today, Ben has a look at counterfeit goods. Thanks, Sterling. Metro Vancouver Crime Stoppers wants to hear from consumers who've seen or may have bought counterfeit goods. Linda Annis, Executive Director of Metro Vancouver Crime Stoppers, says counterfeit goods are actually quite dangerous. Oftentimes, organized crime is involved and people are afraid to call in or maybe haven't thought about the safety aspect and how it might impact and cause a fire somewhere. So we're asking people to call Crime Stoppers. If they call Crime Stoppers, they will always remain anonymous. Counterfeit items such as cheap phone chargers, substandard circuit breakers, and power bars with fake CSA certification 
are especially worrisome because they can catch fire or pose the risk of electrocution. Other goods, such as knockoff beauty products and counterfeit medications, can be life-threatening. So, how do you detect counterfeit goods? Price is the biggest giveaway. Vancouver Crime Stoppers is urging anyone who's been duped into buying faked goods or have discovered counterfeit items at market stalls or temporary retailers to contact them at 1-800-222-8477. That's 1-800-222-8477. Callers will remain anonymous. And tips may also be sent by texting a message to CRIMES, that's 274637, that's CRIMES 274637. You can also use Crime Stoppers iPad and iPhone app or online at www.solvecrime.ca. I'm Ben Dooley, and that's Dooley Noted. Thank you, Ben. Time for a couple more consumer quickies before we go. With federal legislation to legalize recreational marijuana expected to be in place within months, Richmond City Council has set some new ground rules around smoking in public. New regulations approved by City Council this week will limit further smoking and vaping in public places and on city-owned land. According to the city, smoking will include all vapor products and marijuana marijuana, along, obviously, with cigarettes. Under the new rules, which take effect May 1st, that would be next Tuesday, smoking will also be banned on school grounds and in public parks. Smoking of any kind will also be banned within nine meters of transit shelters, transit signs, patios, doors, windows, and air intakes, an increase from the current six-meter exclusion already in place. This could get expensive, too. People caught breaking the rules will face a $150 fine for the first offense with a steep hike to $500 for the second offense, and the third one will cost you a grand. Don't have a summer job lined up yet? A summer internship has opened up at ultra-low-cost low-cost air carrier Wow Air, one that will pay the successful applicant to travel the world. It's calling for Instagram-happy, aspiring travel vloggers and influencers. For three months, the successful applicant and a friend will move to Reykjavik, Iceland, and use it as a base to travel to 38 of Wow Air's destinations, capturing the food, culture, nightlife, and budget-friendly travel tips on YouTube, Instagram, and other social media platforms. Destinations in WOW's Air Network include New York, Paris, Amsterdam, London, Barcelona, Tel Aviv, Los Angeles, and so you already know it's going to be a fantastic summer. To be hired, applicants must show off their hosting, shooting, and editing chops with a two-minute video showing off their hometown on YouTube. The successful applicant will be responsible for completing Wow Air's digital travel guide. The competition closes May 14th. Reykjavik, Iceland for the summer. Traveling the world. Gosh, there's an assignment most of us would be happy to take on. And that is our program for today, produced by Ben Dooley with Andrew Ferreira at the controls. We do appreciate your feedback, and if you have any thoughts or suggestions for the show, please send them along to sterling at cknw.com. Don't forget, next Saturday, Vancouver Consumer expands to two hours, beginning at our usual time of 2 p.m. We hope, rather, you'll join us then. I'm Sterling Fox. That's it for the program today. Enjoy the rest of your Saturday. Go Jets!
The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.